This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm on the telephone with Ed Hare, W1RFI, and Ed is the ARRL Laboratory Manager in Newington, Connecticut. Good morning, Ed. Well, good morning, Steve. It's a, it's a pleasure to once again be part of your podcast. <laughs> well, you have an excellent article in the September issue of QST, uh, the title being uh, Understanding the Changes to the FCC-RF Exposure Rules. I even got the page number. It's on page 60. A very informative article. Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, uh, when this came out, uh, these rules changes, of course, there were a lot of questions, concerns by amateur radio operators. So uh, we put together that article as quickly as we could uh, to try to get that into the hands of hams who understand just what has changed and, more importantly, what has not. Some amateurs listening, Ed, might be a little unfamiliar with the whole issue. Can can you step back and just explain why RF exposure is a concern? Well, yeah. In fact, I'll step all the way back uh, even to the 1980s when you know the whole question of, of safety about human exposure to RF energy came out. And the FCC way back then actually enacted rules that did apply to the amateur radio service, although then we had no specific requirements. That changed some in 1997 when the FCC came up with new rules and changes that didn't change the exposure levels, but required some amateurs to do an evaluation of their station. Uh, Back then, there were a whole list of categorical exemptions based upon frequency, power level, uh, mobile operation with push-to-talk was exempt from the need to evaluate some repeaters. And in the recent rules changes, what the commission did is changed the requirements to determine what stations needed to be evaluated from a whole potpourri of, of service-specific requirements to ones that apply to all radio services based upon frequency, uh, power, antenna gain, and basically effective radiated power. And, And the reason for this is I think we can all understand that at very high levels, exposure to RF energy can be dangerous. And so the commission has relied upon various industry and consensus standards that have set safe levels for RF exposure and then applied those to uh, all licensees uh, uh, governed by the commission's rules. How are the changes different to the, the most recent changes, I mean? Well, yeah, I think the most important thing to remember, Steve, is that the changes did not change the exposure level. They changed only the criteria by which stations can determine whether they are categorically exempt from the need to do an RF exposure calculation. Now, the older rules required many amateurs to do that calculation. Uh, Many of them did. So any amateurs who have previously done an evaluation really have nothing further to do with these changes. They've done what the 
1997, and the current rules require, which is to evaluate their station. Um, most of the stations that were categorically exempt, if they run through the FCC's formula to determine whether they're still exempt, probably would be. A few people might need to do an evaluation, uh, but that can be relatively easily done uh, using a, an online calculator. Uh, ARRL has put one up on its uh, web page on RF exposure, and so uh, most amateurs can spend a minute or two on the calculator, complete the requirements, and they're basically done. That's an excellent online calculator. I'll just babble off the uh, URL here, but uh, it's www.arrl.org forward slash RF dash exposure dash calculator. And you've been writing an awful lot on this topic. I mean, well, going back to the 90s, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Back in the 1990s, uh, you know, when the rules first came out that really uh, in, in earnest applied to amateur radio, uh, not only did I write a lot of articles, uh, you know, back then our, our web presence was a, a little robust, less robust than it is now, but we also wrote a book, uh, RF Exposure and You, uh, which uh, is actually still available um, electronically on the ARRL's webpage on RF Exposure. Uh, Steve, you might want to rattle off the uh, the basic RF Exposure webpage too, which would be the same URL you rattled off, forward slash RF dash exposure, and that'll get you to an FAQ, that'll get you links to the articles, that'll get you a link to the calculator, and a link to do a free download of the RF Exposure and You book. What I'll point out is the book, of course, was written for the 1997 rules, so the material in it on um, routine, you know, categorical exemptions from evaluation has been superseded by the new rules, but all the methods that amateurs can use to evaluate your station are still valid in the book. It's rather comprehensive, and I'd say if an amateur has questions that aren't answered in the book, um, they just simply need to contact me, and I'll do what I can to give them an answer. You just rattled off the URL. Excellent. <laughs> well, I did. I, I, well, I, I thought I'd like feature to the punch. We no, can have a little rattle URL competition here, Steve. <laughs> Dueling URLs. Do you have any insight, Ed, as to why the FCC decided to uh, make this change? Yeah, I think so. And it, it's speculation on my part, Steve. But I mean, having that potpourri of, of different categorical exemption criteria for different radio services, I think was a little confusing to, to many people. The FCC simply wanted consistency, saying, well, we're going to have the same criteria for the requirement to evaluate stations apply equally to all radio service. Uh, and so um, the FCC came up with a, a, a formula-based method that, that amateurs and others can use to determine whether they need to do an evaluation. Uh, one important point is that if prior to May 3rd, 2021, you were categorically exempt from the need to do an evaluation, um, then you will have until May 3rd, uh, 2023 to complete that evaluation. Uh, if you do something new in your station, such as increase your power level, put in a higher gain antenna, or make a change that could impact RF exposure, you would need to do it now. But for most stations, that online calculator does it quickly, easily. It's a very conservative estimate. And so if you, quote, pass uh, doing the, the calculation at that point, the dreaded evaluation is over. You've done what the rules require. Should that evaluation not be sufficient, 
amateurs are free to use other methods. Uh, you know, for example, you could do what we did in the RF exposure in U book and do antenna modeling to model your antenna at its real height above ground, calculating the electric and the magnetic field strength at various places where people might be exposed. That could certainly be sufficient to complete an evaluation. And that online calculator is kind of a worst case calculation. It assumes the maximum gain of your antenna. It assumes that human exposure is taking place in the main lobe of the antenna, which if you took put a typical antenna above ground, that main lobe is usually slightly upward. The exposure downward from that antenna is usually much less than the uh, formula would calculate. So if you didn't, quote, pass using the calculator, you almost certainly would find that you pass using antenna modeling. Amateurs could make measurements if they wish, although the, the ability to make accurate measurements is really beyond the ability of most amateurs. Uh, most amateurs would find one of the calculational methods uh, to be quite a bit easier. Now, you point out in your article that once you have performed the evaluation, you don't need to send this information to the FCC or anything like that, correct? That's correct. In fact, when this first came out, I was barraged with emails uh, saying, oh my goodness, how do we send this to the FCC? And the answer was, you don't. A few amateurs, we actually had to convince that was true. But the analogy I like to use, Steve, is it's much like the stop sign rule. We have laws that say if there's a stop sign, you must stop. You look to see if traffic is coming. If, if the coast is clear, you can now continue driving. You don't have to fill out a form and send it to the police department every time you do. You just do what the rules require. And the same thing applies to the evaluation. Is Amateurs are simply required to do this evaluation. Now, we advise amateurs to keep a copy of this in your station records, but that's not a regulatory requirement. The only reason you may want to have it handy is in the unlikely event that the FCC were to receive an inquiry from, say, perhaps a neighbor about the RF safety of your station, they would inquire of you, have you done a copy of your evaluation, and please provide uh, the commission with, with a, a copy of that uh, so that they would know that the evaluation was done. At that point, they would intend to tell the neighbor the amateur has done what the rules require. Of course, you can share this with your neighbor as well. Uh, if a neighbor comes over with questions, hey, are we going to glow in the dark from your antenna? You, you could provide a, a copy of, of uh, not only the evaluation you've done, but that RF exposure in your book has a lot of information that explains really uh, explains why these levels that are set for safety truly are safe. Now, I did go to the calculator, Ed, and because I wanted to do the evaluation of my own station, and I just have a, a multi-band dipole in my backyard. Uh, it's up about 40 feet, I would say. And uh, I typically run 100 watts. I like to uh, run RTTY, uh, FT8. Those are both, of course, 100% duty cycle modes. So going to the calculator, plugging in the numbers, and tell me what you think of this. On 20 meters, it says the minimum safe distance. And this would be, uh, and you might want to define this, by the way, controlled or uncontrolled. But uncontrolled, using 100 watts with FT8, uh, was 2.2 feet. Does that sound right? Um, yeah, that actually would be about right. Uh, and so 
Um, obviously, the antenna is 40 feet in the air. Uh, at that point, um, you know, the uh, RS safety from that station, um, you know, is, is well below the limit. Uh, you know, so as I say, most amateurs, when they run this calculator, they're very surprised at some of the results because by the time you factor in your relatively low power, the gain of the antenna, uh, the operating mode, and if you're doing ready, you're correct, the operating mode is 100%. But then how are you transmitting within that 30-minute window? If you're transmitting for 10 minutes uh, you know, with a very long brag tape and then listening to someone else's very long brag tape for 10 minutes and then transmitting for another 10 minutes, your on-off duty cycle would be two-thirds or 67%. So you would take your transmitter power times 100% times 67%. In this case, your average power, and the calculator will do this for you, is 67 watts, relatively low power. And that distance that you're talking really should be from any part of your antenna to any areas where humans, any part of their body, uh, might be exposed. So what we typically do is, is if I were to do a calculation using EasyNeck of the same antenna, I would look at ground-level exposure for my property. I would estimate the first story and possibly second story height of my neighbor's homes and look at the exposure at that level. Or, as the calculator does, simply take the diagonal distance from where people may be and any part of the antenna. Now, if you're up, if you're running up on on you know 28 megahertz with 1500 watts ready you'd find the distance uh, could be uh, somewhat uh, somewhat uh, farther away the required distance uh, so if you had a yagi antenna with 8.5 dbi gain 1500 watts 100% duty cycle then you might find that that 2.2 feet uh, could well extend quite a few feet more uh, the exposure levels are their most stringent between 30 and 300 megahertz because that's the frequency range over which human beings are roughly resonant. Uh, if I'm standing on the ground, I'm a vertical antenna uh, with a resonance of maybe approximately 40 megahertz. If I were a little tiny person a few weeks old, perhaps horizontally polarized as I was being held in my mother's arms, uh, I might be resonant a little closer to 300 megahertz. So that range of, of where human resonance occurs is where we would absorb the most energy and so that's where the requirements are the most stringent. So basically, Steve, if you do your evaluation on, say, 28 megahertz and find that with your Yagi and 1,500 watts you pass, your neighbor is 85 feet away, for example, uh, then at that point you don't need to evaluate the lower bands because the limits are higher. Well, I did do six meters, and on six meters, everything else being the same, uh, my minimum safe distance, it said, was 4.5 feet. Right, and again, that's what, probably 50 or 100 watts? Uh, 100 watts. Yes, and and you did include the ground reflection factor, which we usually recommend. Uh, that's part of the calculation. Yes. Now, curiously, I tried higher frequencies. I tried 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and it kept returning the same uh, minimum safe distance. Why? Why is that? Well, actually, uh, when you went to 70 centimeters, it should have returned a higher minimum, a greater minimum safe distance because the permitted exposure levels do start to increase above 300 megahertz. It was probably pilot error on my part. Uh, yeah, but, but on six and two meters, you should have gotten the same answer because the exposure levels are flat between 30 and 3 megahertz. And of course, on 10 meters, you're very, very close to 30 megahertz. So the... Uh, permitted level of exposure is pretty close to that minimum that you would find in on the uh, the VHF range. Now, the calculator 
speaks of controlled versus uncontrolled environments. Can you define that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fairly straightforward. I'll start with the uncontrolled. Uncontrolled environments uh, are basically human exposure environments where the people being exposed are not aware of the presence of RF energy. They don't know and don't know anything about uh, the implications of RF energy. So, in other words, your next-door neighbor doesn't know when you're transmitting, doesn't know what RF energy is, has no idea about RF safety and all of its implications. So they need to be in the uncontrolled environment, and the permitted exposure for the uncontrolled environment is lower than for the controlled environment. The controlled environment was intended to be an occupational environment under the circumstances where the workers being exposed are aware of RF energy, have had trainings about RF energy, understand its implications. So this would apply to the person who's, say, a, a tower or antenna engineer who's going to go off and work on commercial broadcast. It would not apply to the same a type of worker who's going off to paint the tower unless that worker has had the necessary training about RF safety. Now, the commission has decided that amateurs may apply the controlled limits to their own operations. So you may be exposed at those higher limits uh, because you have knowledge of RF, you have knowledge of RF energy, and the members of your household can also be uh, applied to the controlled limits if you have provided them with training and understanding of the implications of our RF energy and exposure. Now, the commission has not defined clearly what those that training must be, but that's basically outlining what the rules are requiring. I'll add to that, Steve, that the FCC publishes what is known as OET for the Office of Engineering and Technology, OET Bulletin 65, and a Supplement B for Amateur Radio. Uh, the ARRL has an RF safety committee comprised literally of some world-class experts in this area who is working with the commission right now, uh, we're having telecons later this week, to make revisions to Supplement B to help amateurs have material from the FCC that would explain to them just how they comply with with all of the rules. How would this apply, Ed, it just occurred to me, to mobile operating, where the antenna uh, you're operating, say, uh, well, it could be HF mobile, but in this case, we'll say VHF or UHF. The antenna is right there, you know, right above the passenger compartment. Uh, how does RF exposure play into that? Well, of course, again, all stations for all time have been required not to exceed the FCC's exposure limit. And so, of course, that hasn't changed. The mobile operator would have the same potential for exceeding the limits now as they did under the old rules because the limits are the same. Under the old rules, though, the FCC had determined that because most mobile operation that is push-to-talk operated is very transient in nature, uh, they had a categorical exemption for mobile operators using push-to-talk operated equipment. Of course, that's almost all mobile operation. Uh, that's changed with the new rules, uh, but you know, by the time you factor in the amount of time you're spending actually transmitting within the six-minute averaging period for controlled exposure or the 30-minute uh, period for uncontrolled exposure, uh, you'll find that those mobile operations would 
uh, almost always comply with the rules. The one exception I found is if you're a mobile operator using, say, push-to-talk, and you like to get on and do 10-minute diatribes uh, on your, your local repeater, uh, if you had a lip-mounted antenna on your trunk and passengers in the back seat, you might actually ex- exceed the exposure limits. But most of the time, the evaluations I've done uh, using that same distance criteria uh, in the RF calculator, you find that you're fairly easily, quote, pass, uh, even with your mobile operation. I mean, think of what most hams do. You get on the repeater, this is W1RFI listening, and maybe someone comes back and you have a couple of minutes of exchange back and forth. But you're generally on, on repeaters, not talking and doing long-winded uh, 10, 20, or 30-minute uh, transmissions. You're usually transmitting only for a very brief period within the averaging periods for controlled or uncontrolled exposure. And it goes without saying that this also applies to, and there are quite a few out there, hams who have indoor antennas in their attics or wherever. Yes, and, and again, those amateurs were generally expected to meet the uh, the, the uh, exposure limitations. And of course, as your own evaluation of your station did, if you had that in your living room, uh, most of the time, unless somebody was within a couple of feet of that antenna, they'd actually be below the exposure limits, especially on the lower band. Well, that makes sense. So really, there's nothing to get overly uh, anxious about with the change in the rules. Just read the article, do the evaluation, and basically you're okay. Yeah, and, and even the uh, that categorical exemption formula, as I pointed out to Hans, is, you know, it may be easier just to go to the web page, do the evaluation, rather than do another calculation to determine that you don't need to do a calculation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of silly, but but in reality, I think for most hams, it's probably easier just simply to do the evaluation. Uh, and then, of course, if you do have a neighbor uh, questions you, you can always say, well, look, I did evaluate my station. It's required by the rules. Let me show you the results of my calculations, and we can talk about them. And, and most neighbors who are, are truly just interested uh, would be satisfied with any reasonable explanation. I would think so. So as I put in one of my articles when this first came out uh, back uh, earlier in the year, the sky is not falling. You know, we don't have these onerous new requirements uh, that we've never had before. Uh, It's just simply a few amateurs might need to determine that we're categorically exempt, might need to go and either determine that they're still exempt under the formula-based rules or simply go do the evaluation and be very surprised at the rather uh, surprisingly uh, short distances beyond which you are below the exposure limit. I was certainly surprised. You're done. You don't need to do any more. Um, so, you know, the, as I like to say, the dreaded evaluation for you, Steve, is now complete. In fact, I, it's funny. <laughs> it's back in 97 when the rules came out. I was, of course, going off and doing a lot of uh, convention presentations, and then I'd be uh, giving the presentation on the new rules, which, of course, then truly were new. Uh, and I would say, and come on back to the ARRL booth. And my my challenge was that I could complete their evaluation for people in two minutes or less. Uh, and and I think I, at one I never I never got beaten on that. It was always pretty easy. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ed. This has been very informative. Good, and and I thank you for having me on on the show, as it were, Steve. And and I'm sure we can think of some other things that uh, I can get on and pretend I know a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again, Ed. Okay. Yep. Bye bye. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. 
Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.